Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Marketing Agency Show, where we explore solutions to the biggest challenges faced by agencies. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me for the Marketing Agency Show, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Brooke Stellis, and this is the show for agency owners and agency marketers. We explore the topics that no one else is talking about. So pull up a seat to the table and let's have a great conversation. Today, I'll be joined by Jenny Dietrich, the creator of the Peso model. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's guest, Jenny. To help explore the frontier of working at and growing agencies, here is this week's expert guide. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm super duper excited to be joined by Jenny Dietrich. Jenny, if you don't know her, is the founder and CEO of Armit Dietrich, the founder of Spin Sucks, the host of the Spin Sucks podcast, and the author of Spin Sucks, the book. She's also the creator of the Peso model, which you've probably seen, and has crafted a certification in partnership with Syracuse University for that model. She's also the co-author of co-author, co-author of Marketing in the Round, co-host of Inside PR, and co-host of the Agency Leadership Podcast. Jenny, when do you sleep? Co-author is is a new word. I like it. Co-author. I think that's the title bestowed on people like you who do so much. Like, honestly, when do you go to sleep? I am the best sleeper. I I hate to brag about it, but I love my sleep and I, I get at least eight hours of sleep every night. I'm a good sleeper. I, I, I still can't figure it out, but we'll, we'll save that for another show in another time. <laughs> but first things first, question I always love to ask everyone, how did you decide to start your own agency? Like what made you do this whole crazy thing? Well, I have a problem with authority and especially with people who are bosses that think they're smarter than I am, which could be taken as egocentric and maybe a little bit not self-aware, but it's a character flaw. And I actually worked for an ad agency. I was helping to build a PR department for them. And I kept having these conversations with the team about what PR is. And they would come to me and they'd be like, we just launched this new ad campaign. Will you go tell your media people about it? And I'd be like, that's not how it works. So I was very altruistic and I was like, okay, we're going to do weekly lunches and we're going to do lunch and learn. And I'm going to tell you how it works, what I need from you how I can help you do your job better. And we had these every week. And it's still, we just launched this new ad campaign. And I just got frustrated one day and was like, I I can't do this anymore. So I I left and started my own. You're making me think of the Bugs Bunny gif. I don't know if you've seen it, but he's like, no. And his lips are like super pursed. Like I just see you being like, no. Yes. (laughs) So, I mean, all fantastic reasons. And- They sound a little familiar, but what clients do you serve now? Like, are there any sort of specific industries or verticals that you focus on or who are you helping today? Yeah, we're strictly B2B. We do a lot, a lot, a lot of software as a service. And we find that we can really affect 
sales that way. So that's where we focus. But, you know, I started my career in agriculture and food and I've worked with celebrity chefs that you would know. And, you know, it was super fun. I really loved that work. But when I went out on my own, I found that the that work, I was competing with the big agencies. And when you're just starting out, you, you, you can't compete with the big agencies. It didn't matter what kind of experience I personally had. We just, those kinds of people don't hire a brand new startup agency. So we switched probably about 10 years ago to, to focus solely on B2B. I love it. Well, B2B needs a lot of help, as a lot of us know. But let's talk about intellectual property today. So if you haven't seen the Peso model, it's brilliant. And I've seen a lot of people use it and claim it as their own. (laughs) But the real story here is that you created this. It's your intellectual property, and it helped you create passive income streams. So can you kind of explain that to everybody? Like, what does that look like? How does it work? How did it all come to be? I wish that I could say there was some strategic epiphany where we were like, let's create a model that the entire industry will use and we'll get it copyrighted and we'll share it with Creative Commons and we'll have a certification. Not, no, (laughs) that is not what happened at all. The truth of the matter is that we were using it internally at my own agency because one of the challenges that we had pretty consistently is that clients would come to us and say, great that we were in the Wall Street Journal and the LA Times last week. When are we going to be in the New York Times? And from a PR perspective, not only is that almost impossible, but you also can't be in the Wall Street Journal and the LA Times and the New York Times all the time. Like that's a one once in a lifetime kind of thing. Right. And so we were we would have these peaks and valleys. You know, you'd have these peaks where you had great media hits and then valleys where there was nothing. And clients don't want to pay for the valleys. So we were trying to figure out like how to how to make it so it was more consistent. And also clients want to know, how are you helping me drive revenue, right? How much money are you making me? And so we were trying to figure all of that out. And so I wrote the book Spin Sucks and I talked about in the book this model that we were using internally, but it wasn't named and it wasn't, there wasn't the, the graphic that went along with it. Like none of that stuff existed. And my publisher came back with the first round of edit, edits and said, you have to name this. This is a model. And I was like, it is? And she's like, yeah, like, you have to name this. It has to be something memorable. Let's do a graphic to go along with it so that people can like visualize what it looks like. So it really was her and making me go through that process when I wrote the book. And then we published the book and I went on, on speaking tour and I did like all the things you do to, to promote a book. And all of a sudden people kept coming to me and saying, tell me about this peso model. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, what? Yeah. Like not like sign my copy of your book, but like, hey, I want to know more about this model thing. Yeah. It wasn't even a thing until your editor said like, hey, this is right. a thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Amazing. And I can imagine that those agency owners who are listening right now, including myself, this is something that's important because like you, you're, you've already made me start thinking about like, oh my gosh, there's probably things in my book that I outlined that could be a peso model, right? Obviously not that, a, a different name and whatnot. But my guess is that this helps you create passive income all of the time. So when there's economic uncertainty, this peso model, this intellectual property is helping prop you up. Is that right? It is. And I would also add to that, that as an agency, I would assume you you have a goal eventually of selling. It might not be right now. It might not be five years from now, but eventually you're going to retire and you've spent all of these years building up this asset. So you probably will want to sell it 
to employees, to an investor, to a bigger agency, whatever it happens to be. But to do that, you have to create something that they can buy. Because if you're building an agency that's reliant on human beings, they, they're not going to buy human beings because that they can do that by themselves, right? What they're going to do is buy a process. So one of the best books I've ever read on this is Built to Sell. And I read it several years ago. And it's actually really, it's a really easy read. It's not a typical business book where you're just like, it's written from an advertising agency owner's perspective. And he talks about like all of the pain that you have, like submitting three ads and the client going, you know, I don't like this red, let's make it blue. And I don't really like this image, let's change it, right? Like you, we, you read it and you're like, oh, I, I've been there, I understand this. And he talks about the importance of building a process. So when you say you've gone back, you could go back to your book and think about the processes that you probably have in there, that's probably true. And that, that's what I would encourage every agency owner to think about is how do we do our work that's just a little bit different than everybody else? It might be in your onboarding with clients. It might be in your onboarding with teammates. It might be in the way that you deliver work. But there's a process you use every time, and you should use that to really create your intellectual property. Because everybody's looking for a new and interesting way to do things. Everyone. Even I sometimes am like, Hmm, let's find a new way to do this. I don't really, this isn't really working. So really focus in on your process to create your intellectual property, because that's going to do two things for you. It's going to help you sell your business later and it's going to help you create passive income now. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about it. Let's walk through it. It's me. It's Brooke. Hi, it's me. It's Brooke. I'm the market. I'm the problem. Um, <laughs> I'm the problem. It's me. So I'm your problem right now, right? I'm your problem child. I have this agency. I'm almost 12 years old. I have zero methods, right? Zero intellectual property. So I think to create passive income, what what factors should I be looking at to start this journey? I would look at a few things. First of all, if you have anything documented, especially if you're bringing in new employees, like what do you give them when they start? Do you just say, this is the client, go do your, your job? Or do you say, this is the way that we do things? And for us, like we have a ton of Loom tutorial videos that we've created. Uh-huh. We continue to create new ones every week based on the work that we're doing. So we can say, okay, here's what we expect. For me now, I can say, I expect you to become Peso Model certified in your first 60 days. So that's what they focus on is learning the Peso Model, learning that process and become certified in the method if they're not already. For you, it may be you have you know a process or you say, okay, we expect you to do this, 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 and this before you can start working with clients. That's your process. So how do you take that that you use internally and repackage it so you can use it externally? And also think about the issues that the, the problems that you solve for clients. So, you know, when you're, when you, Brooke, are thinking about, oh my gosh, the kinds of things that we do, usually, I would imagine usually a client's coming to you because they need, really need help with digital advertising. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to get started. They don't know where they should be. They don't know what the message is. They don't know how to handle things, you know, when the world's falling apart and is on fire and, you know, all of these things that go into the work that you do, those are the problems that you're solving. So how do you package that into something that is applicable to them? And the way I like you to think about it is if I were going to take my process and package it and sell it to someone who can't afford our services, 
but needs them very badly. What would that look like? Oh my God. I literally just wrote, wrote it. I can't share it yet, but I just want you to know that right now, just now following your advice, I just wrote out a process for something that we do. Like I called it something and then did the little steps. Now I have to go add the little minutia to it. Like you're saying from like our processes, but I have it. I have the idea. It's there. Thank you. I hope y'all were listening. If not, hit that <laughs> rewind button because I literally just did what you told me to do. So those agency owners who are listening or watching and have not have that little light bulb moment yet, how can they go through and start to assess what intellectual processes they have? So like maybe they don't onboard their employees a certain way. Are there any other ways that they can understand how they have intellectual property or how they can start creating passive income to monetize, right? So like, what are some other things that people could be thinking of if they're like, if they're not an on the spot ideas person, like I just did listening to you? So I would say there's two ways you can go about it. Number one is ask your clients, what are some of the biggest challenges you have that we are not solving for you? And it might very well be that they have PR challenges or they have content challenges, whatever it happens to be. Or they might have challenges that you have the services internally to be able to do and you're just, you just don't have the scope or the budget, wherever, whatever it would be. So I would ask them first. Those are the kinds of things that you want to do. I would use your social networks and I would, you know, go to LinkedIn and say, hey, we're thinking about expanding our services. What's one challenge you have in this area? And just let people comment on you and do that several times. When we were starting out, I... And, and you, have to, you have to have a, a good list to do this. But I emailed our subscribers, our blog subscribers, and I said, it was just one question. If we could spend an hour together, what would we discuss? And I got the gamut. I got everything from we'd eat cupcakes and wine, to which I was like, thank you, let's do that. And then I got really thoughtful answers. Like some people spent time. And so what we did is we had everything go into a Google sheet and then we, we separated out the funny, like personal stuff, right? And then we took all the real answers and we put them into a bucket and we sort of ranked it based on number count, how many times we heard the same thing. Like, I need to understand how to connect owned and earned media is one of the big things that we heard. I don't know how I have time to do content. You know, I run an agency that's it's strictly media relations, but I need to add social and and content. I don't have time. So we heard those kinds of things. So we ranked it based on that. And then we launched our first course. And I put course in parentheses because it really, it was really, really, really basic, but it got us started. What we did is we we said, okay, I think it was called the Modern Blogging Masterclass. And we did it over four weeks as a webinar and it was live. And the reason we did that is because it forced me to have to get the content done on at, by a certain time and day, right? If, if my team had said, let's do a, a four-week course, go get the video work done, it would still be sitting on my, my to-do. It would because I have to have a, a deadline. So we said, okay, every Wednesday show up at noon Eastern and we're going we're gonna to go through it. And then we recorded it all. And then we packaged it. We didn't even have it designed or anything. We just took those four webinars. We packaged it into a, again, quote, quote unquote, course, and we sold it. And we did a quarter of a million dollars that first launch. What? Yeah. And it's because we asked people what they wanted. And then we delivered that. Right? So 
the people who did the beta, I think we charged $97 for, and then we charged $297 for the, the packaged piece. And then because it did so well, we took some money and we had it designed and, you know, properly executed and we put it in a learning management system and all that. But those first two, you know, kicks out of the gate, that's all it was. And I think people get really wrapped up and overwhelmed by, oh, I have to figure out a learning management system and there has to be emails. No, ask your people. And if it's clients, if it's a subscriber list, if it's your LinkedIn connections, whatever has to be, happens to be, ask them what they want and then deliver that. And it doesn't have to be pretty. Now yeah. today I have to do pretty stuff because they expect it. But back then, nobody expected that of us. Right. You're basically saying what I tell our clients all the time. Like we're, our tagline, think conversation, not campaign, right? Like it's not that hard. You just have to be willing to ask the question. And I don't think as marketers, we ask enough questions sometimes, I agree. right? We're not curious enough. And that's why we struggle. So speaking of struggles, what are you willing to share as far as, you know, the struggles that you went through kind of creating this and, and making this a passive income stream? And then how did you overcome those challenges so that, that people like me who are listening and go, oh my God, I have this idea. What should I be looking out for as far as a challenge might go? Well, we took that great success and I said, oh, people want to learn online. And so we created SpinSucks Pro and the idea it was almost like Peloton where you had all these on-demand classes that you could pick and choose as you needed, or you could go through a process, you know, and, and we had all this great content and we launched it and one person bought. Oh no. Literally one. I'm like quivering on the inside over here. Well, so why do you think that was? I'm sure you know, right? Yeah, we were way too early for online learning. It just wasn't there yet. The, the webinars worked because people were accustomed to coming to something People were accustomed to that, but asking them to like choose their own path or choose their own destination and go through that process on their own, they weren't ready for yet. Nobody was doing online learning with universities yet. This was pre-pandemic and we were just too early. So I kind of licked my wounds and it was, it was pretty painful, but went back to what I knew. And I said, okay, now that the book has launched and everybody's looking, asking about this PESO model, what can we do with the modern blogging masterclass and expand that? And so we started adding on elements that brought it all together and eventually had this full PESO model integrated program. And then we went to some schools to see who would be interested in partnering with us to provide the actual certification of it because we're not a university, right? We don't have an accreditation and settled with Syracuse, their SI Newhouse School of Public Communication to provide the certification. And we launched the PESO model certification. But again, we launched that on March 1st, 2020. <laughs> and how did that go? <laughs> well, you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> the launch itself was great because we had like two weeks and then it just crashed and burned. So we put it aside for several, several months and then relaunched it in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And that would be difficult. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Well, so tell me a little bit more about that. We have all experienced COVID in some way or another. So, and it was wonderful. It was awful, wonderful. It was awful great. wonderfulness. <laughs> How did you kind of reset and restart once 
that happened. I, I mean, I think that that particular example is an anomaly because it was it was tough. I had a first grader at home. I was trying to keep the lights on. I was trying to keep employees em- employed. I was trying to, to apply for a loan so that I could keep employees employed. That was an anomaly in and of itself because I couldn't focus on rejiggering that at the time. So we gave ourselves some space. And then when school started to go back and we were able to like, you know, take a deep breath again, certainly things were not back to normal, but at least we weren't teaching at the same time, which was fun. (laughs) We were able to refocus. So we just relaunched it in it, in the way that it was in 2020. And, you know, anybody who went through it in 2021 and 2022 still got the, I'm in the middle of a pandemic comments on the, the coursework because it was happening at the same time. But then we redid all the content this year. We really look at it from that perspective. And, you know, when you're doing something at that level, you have to really refresh. I mean, we had things like AI come out, Google Analytics 4, like all this stuff that affects your content, right? So we did redo everything this year, which actually was really fun because it was fun to go back and go, oh, that that was really painful. That was really bad. Let's fix that. But, you know, you just have to you're going to misstep, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to misread the industry. And that's why I say start as easy as you can. And if, you know, the webinar format was easy for me because I had a deadline, if that's easy for you, do that, right? And then take those recordings and package it into something that you can you can sell later. Just Just make it as easy for yourself in the beginning because as you progress and you get better at it, there are other complications that come along with it. I mean, nothing's all rainbows and unicorns, right? Well, especially if it's something you really want. Have you been able to create several passive income streams or is the peso model kind of the only one? And can we, if yes, you're shaking your head, yes. How did you figure out like, oh, I can diversify by doing this? So again, for Brooke, who just created a maybe model, how would I diversify? Well, like you belong to a mastermind group, right? Mm-hmm. So you understand how that all works. Well, people want that kind of camaraderie and accountability. And so I was looking at it from the perspective of, oh, like people keep asking me how I've built this business and what I've done. And so I created a mastermind group. And then I found that through the mastermind group, people wanted the more one-on-one coaching. So then we created one-on-one coaching. And then from the mastermind group, I took all of that content. I recorded, I recorded all the sessions. So I had the content. I took all of that content and built a course called Agency Jumpstart that's more self-driven. So you still get the content, but you don't have access to me every week. We have all this stuff going and then we just borrow pieces from each. So if you're spending time with me one-on-one, certainly that costs more, right? And if you're spending time with me in a group, it doesn't cost as much as one-on-one, but it's not as inexpensive as it is if you're self-driving through an online course. So you have all of these options. It's all the same content. It just depends on whether or not you need me in the room or not. That leads me to another question. So like, let's say, again, we'll just keep going with me as the example, right? I'm an agency owner. I don't have any models. I think I just created one. But me time, Brooke time is severely limited, right? I'm running my agency. I'm doing this podcast. I teach a couple of courses. What would your advice be to the Brooks out there who just don't have a lot of me time left and they really have to come up with something that is truly passive, right? They don't have to, maybe in the beginning they have to put their time in, but it's not going to be like consulting one-on-one. 
what what strategies or tips would you recommend for that type of agency owner? I mean, I would really take the blogging masterclass idea and do it that way because you're committing an hour every week to the content and to the people. And then you can take that and repackage it. You can find someone on Upwork if you don't have someone internally to make it all pretty for you and then launch it as a course. And then it becomes its own thing, right? I mean, and you can do all the the social media ads yourself. So like you just keep those going and tweak them as you need to. And it becomes this really nice passive income for you. So let's dig into that. You're just batting it right up for me. You're like putting softballs on the... (laughs) It's like I'm in T-ball again, except for in T-ball, I was the kid out in the outfield, like chasing butterflies and not paying attention. Watching the bumblebees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're really giving me the softball here. So let's talk about that. How have, for you, these passive income streams affected your overall financial stability, financial security? And then, like I said, like leading into uncertain times, which I mean, every time we think it's going to turn around, something else happens and it's more right. uncertain than before. <laughs> Right. So like, how important is it that you have these passive income streams to your business? So I will tell you that from my perspective and from my agency, it's imperative. And the reason being is that I had just started my business when the Great Recession hit. I built a business fast. I, we, did, we went from zero to $2 million like overnight. But then 2008 hit and everything fell out and we went from $2 million to zero over literally overnight, like over a two week process time frame. It was, it was, and I wasn't prepared for that. I had 30 employees, you know, part-time contractors and full-time employees. There were 30 of them. I had to do layoffs as a brand new business owner and we were crushing it. We were crushing it. And then all of a sudden it just like smacked us. And to this day, I still have PTSD from the perspective of I will never move that fast or hire that quickly because it was so devastating. It was devastating to them. It was devastating to me. It was devastating all around. But when that happened, I said to myself, you are never going to rely on one source of income ever again. And so I looked at it and I I created a 10-year plan and I said, how can I create at least seven different sources of income over the next 10 years? And so that's what we did. So now we have certainly the agency and the retainer and all that. And that's probably about, it's about half of our income. The other half are our online courses, our certification, you know, the books, like all of the speaking engagements, all that stuff combined together. I'd say it's like 48%. So it's probably 52, 48%. But when things like the pandemic hit and clients went away because of it, it didn't crush us because I had all this other income coming in. So, and you, to your point, like things keep happening and we think that things are going to stabilize and they, then they don't. You have these income sources to protect you so that when one falls out, everything else is there to save you. And then when this one falls out, you've got all this over here. So it's, it makes it so that you can keep going. And the nice thing about passive income is, especially when things are tough, people invest in themselves because they have time. They have time to learn. They have time to do professional development. They have time. So when you have that opportunity to give them that time for professional development, they'll spend the money. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant point that you make because, I mean, I feel like a lot of us went down that route, right? Like (laughs) we were like, hey, that course that I've been wanting to do forever, but I never had the time. Well, whether I like it or not, now I have the time (laughs) to take that course and help myself become a better marketer, person, leader, whatever it may be. Let's talk about intellectual property because it's a scary, I've sometimes I, 
I'll just say it. Like for me, it could be a scary word, right? And I think other people might feel this way too, because when you say intellectual property, I'm thinking, oh, I have to talk to a lawyer. I have to go get like paper, financial paperwork, legal paperwork done, trademarks, whatever else goes into that. So like, how would you, how would you talk me off that ledge, right? (laughs) What goes into intellectual property and why is it not as scary as I think it is? Okay. So yes, you do need to do all of that. You don't have to do that right now. So we launched the PESO model itself in SpinSucks the book in 2014. We just got the copyright last year. Wow. And we were able to get the copyright because we had so much out there, you know, all the content that's out there, the book, the certification, the online courses that led up to the certification. We had all of that content to prove to the government that we own this. So if you went and said, I want to have this copyrighted right now, they'd probably be like, come back to me in a couple of years. You can, I think don't quote me on this. I think you can add the copyright symbol or trademark symbol on your stuff before you actually get it so that people understand, oh, this isn't, which is something I wish I had done because as you said at the beginning, people use the Paisal model and pretend they created it themselves. And I have an attorney that is very busy (laughs) with those people. (laughs) But I wouldn't worry about all that stuff right now. And truth be told, it's not very expensive to have it. I was actually surprised at how like it cost a few grand. It was like three or $4,000 to have it all done. Oh, but okay. We, like I said, it was seven years later. So you don't have to worry about that right now. Worry about how you can best service the audience that you want to reach with your passive income. And then the rest can come. I think that's great advice too. Okay. So more advice for me. How do you market your passive incomes? I mean, which channels do you find to be most effective with your passive incomes, right? So is it like as easy as like set it and forget it with some ads? Is it an email blast? Is it social? Is it all of the above? Like, how do you market these things once you have them in place? It's all of the above. I mean, if I had to rank them in order, social media advertising is probably number one. We quote unquote advertise it in the Spin Sucks podcast. I think that's probably number two. I have a LinkedIn newsletter where I put it in every, as a call to action in every article, that's either three or four, like the blog is up there. So it is all of that. You do have to do it all, but most of it, you can set it and not entirely forget it, but you don't have to recreate. You know, we recreated all of our email flow this year because we redid all of the content in the certification itself, but it hadn't been changed for three years before that. So there are things that you can do to, you know, get it going and not have to worry about, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be revising this every month. That's not the case. Well, and how do you look at attribution, right? So you just mentioned like all the channels, you have your LinkedIn newsletter, you have a blog, you have emails, you have socials, you have ads. Are you making sure that you're tracking where all of these, you know, clicks or leads come from? And then, I mean, I know people will want to know this question too. Like, can you just pull back the curtain a little bit and tell us like, we use this tool or we do it this way or whatever it may be on how you can say like, oh, well, I know for sure ads are number one followed by X. Yeah. I mean, we use analytics, which is the number one, right? And everything goes into there. So we use UTM to help us understand where the clicks are coming from. The social networks give you great data. Uh, Active Campaign is the email software we use. It gives us great data. So we're able to just combine it all together. I actually, right before we got on this call, was looking at the data for quarter three. And I was like, oh, 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 
wow. I mean, we kind of crushed it in quarter three. So then I was like, well, but why did we do so much better this quarter than the previous quarter? So then I start to look at like this time last year, second quarter last year, you know, just to compare and see where we're growing and where we're growing the most right now is through email. I a hundred percent believe that. And was it a seasonality thing though? Did you see that last year this was happening too? No, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It's kind of an anomaly, but the interesting thing is we saw the same kinds of results across the board for clients. Quarter three just exploded. So I don't know if that's, I'm certainly not an economist, but I don't know if that's an indication that the economy is not as bad as we think it is, or that we're not going to have a recession, but across the board, all of our clients exploded in quarter three as well. I think it's interesting that you say email. Again, this is another conversation for another day, but I think we keep hearing like, well, and we know, right? All of the social channels have changed. They're constantly updating their algorithms. The only place you can gain any sort of traction right now is LinkedIn. And that's only a fit for some people. But I think, you know, engagement's not dead. Social's not dead. I think the way people are engaging is different. They're looking, they're really seeking out the brands that they can trust, right? And I think they know 100% that they can do that through the medium of email. And that that actually brings me like a, a pop-up question. How do you feel like the peso model and all of your passive income have led to brand trust. I'm assuming it's helped tremendously, but like, can you point any, anything else specifically? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same way we approach it with clients. And what we do with clients is we say, if you use an integrated peso model, these are the kinds of results you'll have. And you not only will it help you generate sales, because remember we're, we do B2B. So that's very important. Yes. But it builds trust. It builds authority. It builds credibility. It does all those things and it does it online and off. So not only are, is Google like amping you up in search results because you're doing all the things right, which is giving you online credibility, but people are seeing that and they're going, oh, wow, these guys must really know what they're doing. And that's, you know, offline as well. People are going to come up to you when you're at Content Marketing World or be Marketing Props B2B and say, I love your content or I've really learned a lot from you that it's helping with those kinds of things. And it's because you're marketing to your point in a new and different way. Like back in the day, you could post a blog post and you'd have all these people in the comments. Thousands. That doesn't happen anymore, right? Yeah. Nobody comments on blogs anymore. And if you're a consumer business, you may have a great following and you can translate quote unquote engagement to sales, but nobody's actually commenting. They're saving and they're sharing, right? But they're not... They're, the engagement that we used to know is not there anymore. So it's really about how are you staying up with the trends and trying new things that will allow you to then continue to build that trust. Yeah. What a great conversation we're having. Sorry, my noodles like going and I'm trying to talk at the same. It's like chewing gum and talking at the same time. My brain is like producing ideas and I'm trying to speak and it doesn't go very well for me. More power to you if you can do those two things at the same time. Okay, so final piece of advice. If you looked back over the whole long journey, and it has been long. I mean, you talked about, you know, the Great Recession, which, you know, I went through as well. Luckily, not with my own business, but man, that was tough. It was tough, yeah. And then you wrote this book, you know, and you created this cool thing, but somebody else had to be like, hey, look, you've got this thing here. Let's do the thing. And then another thing hit, COVID, and then people started stealing it. So, I mean, you've been on the longest of journeys you're happy with the journey. It has a happy ending, 
But looking back on everything that you've been through to ending up where you are now, what's the biggest piece of advice you think you would give to marketing agency owners who are considering this journey, right? Creating a passive income stream, how to monetize it, and you know which pitfalls to avoid as they do so. One of the biggest things I think, you know, listening to a conversation like this makes you both inspired and overwhelmed. You're like, oh, okay, I can do this, but where do I start? And how do I start? And, oh, you know, she's 15 years into this and has had all these rough spots. And like, so it's overwhelming and I would hope inspirational. Just start. Just just do something. And like I said earlier, if my team had said, okay, go build this four-week course, it would it literally would still be sitting on my to-do list. But because we did it in a way that was easy for me, we're going to schedule four every week webinars and you have to show up and you have to deliver and you have to have content that people want. That, that's your job. And so I would, you know, spend a, f- a few days before preparing that content. We'd do it, we'd learn, and then I would go back to my desk and I'd create content for the next week. But because I had that deadline and people were expecting that of me every week at the same time, I got it done. So think about how you work and what's easy for you. Don't make it too hard. Don't say, oh my gosh, we've got to launch this and it's got to be packaged and we have to have a huge list. You don't. You don't have to have any of those things. Just do it. See what happens. Learn from it. And then go do the next. Such good advice. I'm going to take it. I really am. I'm going to, I'm going to flesh this idea out and then I'm going to come back to you like a kindergarten with my drawing for you that I did in class or the macaroni art. Remember the macaroni art in kindergarten? That was the best. Anyways, I can't wait to show you my macaroni art when I'm finished noodling on it, pun intended. Final thing, tell everyone where can they find you? How can they connect with you? What are you working on? Give us all of your details. Haha. <laughs> I'm actually doing a second edition of Spin Sucks right now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, SpinSucks.com is the easiest place. Everything's there. All our social networks are there. I hang out mostly on LinkedIn these days, Instagram, but my Instagram is private. It's just personal for me to like test out my stand-up comedy. <laughs> Some days I fail. Sometimes I don't. Just depends. But LinkedIn, yeah, is probably the best place. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, this has been amazing. I know you've got my noodle baking and hopefully everyone else is baking too. Make sure you reach out and find Jenny so she can help you come up with your own passive income. Thanks, Jenny. And I'm expecting you to do this. Oh, I'm going to. I'm checking back with you. I promise. Okay. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you're new to the show, be sure to give us a follow. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about the show. I'm at Brooke Sillis on Instagram and Twitter. And for fun, make sure you tag at SM Examiner. Also, be sure to check out our other shows, the Social Media Marketing Podcast and the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. This brings us to the end of this week's Marketing Agency Show. We'll catch you next week as we explore the adventures of marketing agency life. The Marketing Agency Show is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.